Hi there, ho there, hey there. Hi, hi, hello to listeners in the stratosphere. have been with us for a long time even from the beginning and we cannot say thank you enough and I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately how do you make your own podcast well it's simple I use anchor Anchor anchor.fm which is the website or there is an app or you can go on your computer whatever you want to do it's the easiest way Um, it is run through Spotify so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto and there's lots of different it'll stream to at least I think 10 different platforms or more um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter where your setup is like you can start creating today today and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm gonna listen Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. That's not what I wanted to start out with. You better stop before we get sued. We're not going to. That's fine. What are they going to sue us for? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Hey, who are you? Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Tootsie Floof. Just kidding. My name's Nicole. <laughs> she is the host of Gotti Bubbles Podcast. And who are you? I am the co-host in the Call Me Sussy Buns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just so many different... <laughs> that was a lot of, lot of accents. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to speak. <laughs> That's like the other day Multi- I was trying to sound Russian. <laughs> yes, it and was it's so, so bad because I couldn't... Like, Russia just left the building... And my brain, like, I know I can be, I can sound Russian. I know I can do accents, but I think I get in my head too much, and I'm afraid somebody's going to come at me, so then I just, I just, I, she I just allow my fear. She wants to count to ten. <laughs> That's all I can think about, is fucking count, fucking, from Sesame Street. I just, I, allow, I allow my fears to get in the way, and then, like, like with singing, too, I'm like, and then I'll just put a little funny spin to it or something, so nobody can come at me and be like, she's just joking anyway, it's fine. She's All right, anyway, my name's Shauna, also known as Sassy Buns. Thanks Sassy for listening, Buns we love you. Thank you, that's the episode. Goodbye. Okay. Just kidding. Um, so, n- n- we're just going to get right into it. Um, we love all of our listeners. Yes. If you're new here, thank you so much for choosing to listen to an episode that we are doing. Um, we really fucking appreciate it. Yeah, if you have any requests, you can send us some and in the uh, email form. At bloodybubblespodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. 
<laughs> or you can slide into our DMs at Twitter and Instagram because Shauna does not have any control over those. I do. Thanks. And then you can message our Facebook page because there actually we had a, a gal who is not related to us, but we share the same last name. We are going to be covering a case she suggested because it is her family members. Hello. So it's and it's unsolved. Hey, which we we've talked about that in the past too yeah, about so wanting to do more unsolved cases. Yeah. So there's a lot of them out there, unfortunately. But and so if yeah, we can help if we can do some investigating and and yeah. get some more information and get the reached, word out. Yeah. The fact that she reached out to us. A couple of other podcasts have covered that case. We'll get more into it. Um, that'll be coming soon, okay. here in the next couple of weeks. Um, so yeah. Just, we really, I like when people reach out to us and they want us, uh, are, like, even, uh, so many people really want us to cover BTK, and I have so many emotions about that man. Just be like, you know what, listen to our bloody babbles, <laughs> our buddy babbles, I mean, our buddy babbles, and we talk about BTK. We read some letters from BTK. Yeah, we did read letters from him. And that's and about as into it as we might get. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I know it's a Kansas case, and that's... People are like, oh my god, you're covering him. And I'm like... <sighs> Everybody has, though. We're trying to be more on the low-key. Like, the people yeah, like, aren't super known. Right. Granted, we have done some that are a little more known. But right, overall, for sure. But overall, like, no, a lot of these cases I've never heard of. Facts. Including this one we're about to talk about today. And we're diving in. Her Let's name go. is Erin Caffey. Caffey? Caffey. C-A-F-F-E-Y. She's a teenage garbage monster dick. <gasps> <laughs> My opening notes, I and I couldn't love wait. it. I couldn't wait. I was going to tell her before we started recording, and I was like, "Nah, I want her authentic mm-hmm. reaction." Um, this is this all takes place in El oh God mm-hmm. Alba, Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas. So we're going to just get right into it. I went Texas. <laughs> that all our Texas listeners are like, we don't all talk like that. Sure. I went real south with that. It's all right. It's fine. We had count. The count on here. Now we had someone from yeah. We we've got all the accents. We on got this. some southern gravy and biscuits, <laughs> and we want to count to ten. Sorry, I I keep thinking of that. They talk about that in the office, and because someone's doing a really bad accent, it's fine. Aaron's pastor was his name <laughs> was Todd McGee. <laughs> McGee once joked that if he had five more of her, he could fill his church on Sundays. Erin was cute and petite with blue-gray eyes and a flirtatious smile, and she thrived on attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boys often come to Miracle Faith just to see her. Wow, that's not what you want for a church. But no, but that's just, what he's saying. If he had five more, everybody would be oogling and ogling and filling up his pews. That's true. But also, oh, And several... <laughs> what happened? No, ill. Oh. Just like that. Ill. That's your thought, oh, you said, oh. is... Is yeah. if I had five more of her, my pews would be filled, not because of the word of Jesus or God right. or whatever. Like, come on. But anyway, on that note, sorry, it was just. So the boys would come music. just to see her, and several of them credit her with bringing them closer to Jesus. So I mean, at the Sonic on Emory's main drag, she was the only car hop who delivered her orders wearing roller skates, and most afternoons her admirers parked on. Whichever side of the drive-in she was waiting on, yet despite her uh, her effect on boys, she struck people as hopelessly naive. She gushed innocence, remembered a co-worker who, like many teenagers, were interviewed for this story and asked to remain anonymous. A lot of guys flirted with her, and she would just blush and smile and duck her head down and skate inside and tell me, that guy wanted my phone number, and I'd say, did you tell, that, tell him that your mom won't, would be answering the phone? <laughs> oh, what a time. I don't know if we get into what... Okay. 2007. Okay. 
So, I mean, cell phones were not a thing. But they weren't as popular as they are now. No, definitely not. Um, Terry and Penny Caffey were protective. Those are her parents, in case you were wondering. Weirdly sharing the same last name. Um, Some would say overly protective of their daughter. She was homeschooled, and um, her her homeschooling had begun when she was 13 after the family moved to Alba from Celeste, um, a small town about an hour away. Wow, Zoe. Um, my dog is like, like, she's just like stretching across Shauna's whole body and like had her paw on her it's chest, like, like in man. my cleavage. She's Hello. just like, I don't really know what I want. I just want love. She's such a good dog. She's a shithead, but she's, she's a good dog. Um, Terry and Penny had wanted to be closer to Miracle Faith, where they were then serving as a church, church's youth ministers. Erin and her brothers had initially enrolled into their new public schools. She started eighth grade at Range Junior High and Bubba and Tyler her brothers attended Rains Elementary. Bubba. Then that fall, an incident at the junior high had upset Terry and Penny. A girl who, whoa, a girl who had been showing interest in Aaron had kissed her in the hallway. Kathy's like, abruptly pulled their children out of school a month into the academic year, and Penny began. Penny. 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 Pennies were coming down. Penny. Oh, Penny. Did you do that? Penny. <laughs> Penny. Penny. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I love it. Um, uh, so she pulled them from school and began teaching them a Bible-based curricular at home. Mm. Curriculum, I can read. She and Terry hoped that the individu- okay. individual instruction might benefit Erin, who had been diagnosed with ADD and lagged behind her classmates. It was an isolated existence for an otherwise social girl whose life was largely circumscribed to miracle faith in her parents' house six miles from town. Um, Faith was definitely the cornerstone of the Cappies' lives, which, that's fine. They attended Bible study on Wednesday nights in church every Sunday and set aside several hours a week to rehearse gospel songs with Penny playing piano, Bubba on guitar and harmonica, and Eric Aaron singing vocals. Tyler, the youngest, preferred to play outdoors. I don't know his age, but obviously he's little and just, I'm not a part of this. I would be Tyler. (laughs) Terry and Penny had met at a revival meeting, of course they had, in Garland, not to bash anything like that, but sorry, these parents just sound a little overwhelming, Um, in Garland when she was 21 and he was 24. Their strong Baptist faith had always bound them together. Above their driveway, 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 stop. Hung a polished cedar plank with the inscription, the Caffeys, Joshua 24, 15, the verse which Terry had committed to memory was a reminder that they have chosen a righteous path, and this is the past, past or that verse. Who Here am I? You are texting today. Oh my it's gosh, fine. verse. Mm. If it, okay, <coughs> I need a drink of water. My mouth is really dry because I'm about to read a Bible verse. <laughs> I don't bash any religion. I make light of it. Because I think we can all believe whatever we want to believe. I'm sorry if that offended anybody. <laughs> if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've heard that. Not with so many ye's and days and that. That's like a, that sounds like an Old Testament type thing. Like like uh, so Basically, it means in this house we serve the Lord. Yeah, which is, that's fine. Yeah. You know what? Live your life. Yeah. You know, whether you do or don't, we do is really what that exactly. is. Yeah. And I feel, hopefully they're not those types of people. Sorry. Well, they obviously are if she can't, you know, oh, like they can't talk to the girl about, hey, what's going Like, they immediately take their children out of school because yeah. 
Uh, anyway, keep going. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Pebbles all the time. Mm-hmm. Their children also shared their devotion, did they? Bubba used to witness to whoever who would listen, and Erin cried tears of joy when she sang her Sunday church solos. I want to hear her voice, because I'm a judgmental person uh, when it comes to singing. So much. I'm, it's fine. So much that sometimes she had to stop mid-verse to collect herself. She would get just so overwhelmed with emotion. I know there's no such thing as perfect, but in my book they were, said Tommy Gaston, who was a frequent guest at their home and played in the gospel band with Penny. When Erin turned 16 in July of 2007, she got her driver's license and an old Chevy pickup, hell yeah, and started working at the Sonic. She was so sheltered, said her co-worker. I know people like that who are still that way in their adults. Mm-hmm. It was like she was seeing the world for the first time. One day at a church fellowship meeting, Miracle Face new youth director came upon Aaron making out with a teenage boy. Several kids had seen her sitting on the picnic table behind the church kissing the boy while he eased his hand up her shirt. She invited him over to her house before and considered him to be her boyfriend, but Terry and Penny, who separated the two teenagers that day at the church, were deeply embarrassed by her behavior. You're not going to be seeing you're not going to see that boy no more, Terry told her. No more. Nay, mm. nay, to your love. Can't kiss girls, can't get boys. You can't do anything. Probably have to... How old is she? 16 at this point. Mm. In 2007. Charlie Wilkinson was not the most polished guy to take an interest in Aaron. Sorry. I was making sure I read that right. He always seemed to be broke. He drove a beat-up 1991 Ford Explorer that had to be push-started. <laughs> He was good-looking in an unassuming kind of way with sandy hair and light blue eyes. He always wore Wranglers with black cowboy boots and an oversized western black hat. On MySpace, he went by the name Hillbilly. Well. It's so funny because Morbid just talked about MySpace a few weeks ago. That'll be now, a few weeks ago. And about how someone, one of the killers, or the person that they covered was, had a MySpace page. They're like, what was his intro song? Who were his top friends? I, love, I missed that. Uh, I, 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 it was so much... There was more freedom to it than, um, than what we have now. Like, Facebook is so fucking sensitive. And I said it. I like Facebook and I will never not use it. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking sensitive. So, anyways, he had met Aaron at the Sonic a few weeks before the start of their, their senior year. Having just re- returned home from boot camp at Fort Sill, Oklahoma with this Texas National Guard unit. Charlie would later remember the electricity of the moment when Aaron had glided up to his car window to deliver his order. Instant vibe, he said, snapping his fingers. Aw, I love love. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to be a good time, but anyways. Sorry, I'm also, Xander's letting me know he needs a ride home. And I said, well, when I'm done with the podcast, so just. <laughs> All right. Did Dad pick me up in 10 minutes? Sorry, no, I have the car. <laughs> Uh, text my parents and be like, um, grandma and grandpa. Oh, bye, love you. Aww. I love him a lot. Anyways, Charlie lived in the country with his father and his stepmother, um, stepbrother, stepsister, and half-sister. Why do they gotta be step and... He lived with their family. Family. His dad worked at the paper mill outside Dallas. His mother had moved to Del Rio after his parents' divorce, and he only saw her once or twice a year. Aw. Well, it might be better that way. I can't just aw. Facts. Anyways. It's still aw. Yeah. (laughs) An avid hunter. He spent much of his time fishing and tracking wild hugs through the brush. And like most of his friends, he was a proficient with a firearm. Oh. 
Oh. Is that a foreshadowing? I don't know. We're going to find out. He planned to go on active duty after graduation. Oh, my heart. Ooh, my mama heart. Uh, that's scary. Um, but, I mean, if you're going to serve your country, that's I think that's a beautiful and brave thing to do. Anyways, he had never been arrested, and at school he had no serious disciplinary problems. But he was hot-headed, and other students knew it was easy to get a rise out of him. Ah, I feel like they use that to their advantage. Probably. I know kids like that. Some guys would really tease him and pick at him until he would get angry, remembered a classmate. He would strike his desk or storm out of the classroom when he was provoked, but he usually walked off, walked away from a fight. Well, you know what? I mean, at least he could control it to an extent. Mm-hmm. So throughout the fall, he visited the Sonic to see Erin. For Halloween, she dressed up as a 50s car hop, <laughs> coasting around the Sonic in a homemade pink and white poodle skirt with a pink scarf knotted at her neck. Shortly after that, he worked up the nerve to ask her out. She was instantly taken with him, and he seemed, to, too, to be infatuated, because young love. Mm-hmm. He was totally in love with her and considered her his soulmate. His friend Dion Kip Jr., a friend of Charlie's, um, later would tell investigators. Charlie talked about Aaron 24-7. sounds a little obsessive. That's okay, I guess. We'll see. Though the Cathy's would not allow Charlie to take Aaron out alone, the two teenagers still managed to spend much of their time together. Okay, the way I'm holding my paper... Um, sorry, this is not relevant to anything I just talked about, but Shauna just took a drink out of a can, and my dog is sitting on her lap. And the way it looked, I literally thought she was pouring some of her soda into <laughs> Zoe's mouth. I'm like... Has some dead chair pupsy. I was like, what is happening? Dead chair pupsy. Pupsy. <laughs> it's a pupsy. <laughs> Sorry. That was... Okay. It's fine. If you're new here, um, well, this happens a lot. <laughs> Every time. Every time there's something that happens. <laughs> um... Though the Cappies would not allow Charlie to take Aaron out alone, the two teenagers... Oh, yeah, they spent a lot of time together. He dropped by the Sonic every afternoon during her half-hour break, and at night she, he was a frequent guest at the Cappies' house, so they can be monitored because her parents are crazy. Oh, I need the audience. I'm so sorry. If Aaron and her brothers built a bonfire in the backyard after supper, as they often did, he lingered by her side. Oh. At 9 o'clock... I mean, this sounds so carefree and pure. Like, it's like, what's going on? And he's abiding by the parents' rules. Like, right. okay, well, if I have to see you only this way, you know, yeah. doors open all the time and, and we cannot go out on a date, okay, well, then I'll go to your house. Right. So, I think it's very sweet. At 9 o'clock, the Cathy's made sure that he was headed out the door, but after <laughs> he said goodbye, Aaron usually called him and talked to him until her 10 o'clock curfew. On the weekends, they had until 11. Jeez. What are you going to talk about? You've been together the whole day. No, remember that. Oh, no, I house. do. Yeah. Charlie also began attending church at Miracle Faith, because why wouldn't he? What I knew of Charlie, he seemed like a nice boy, said Pastor McGeehee. I don't think anyone worried about him and Aaron at first. We thought it was just puppy love. That's what I'm That's what I'm picking up on. In December, Aaron asked her parents if she, would re- if she could return to public school. Ooh, that's a big question. All I can think about is Mean Girls, when she's lived in Africa her whole life, and then she's like... Boom, going to high school. Mm-hmm. Her brothers had already re-enrolled that fall after Bubba, who was 13, told them he missed his friends, and the Cathy's, who were eager to free up time for Penny to earn some extra income, agreed to let Aaron go back to, to go back before Christmas. At school, where she was enrolled as a freshman, so, she, oh, so she'd be behind, because she was 16. Right. So freshmen are usually like 14, 15. 
So she and Charlie were inseparable. They ate lunch together and walked down the hall hand in hand. Sometimes they slipped away to Aaron's pickup to fool around. Because love. Uh, Terry began following them to go out for every dinner every or for dinner every now and then, with the assurance that Charlie would have Aaron home no later than nine thirty. Ugh. Often they went to a friend's house where they could be alone, and after Christmas they had sex for the first time. Ooh, Merry Christmas. Yeah. She's probably singing, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, that was wrong. One night, lo- not long afterward, Charlie pulled his car over on the country road, knelt on the pavement, and presented Aaron with his grandmother's engagement ring. Aww. It was a promise ring, he told her, though it was not a formal proposer, he was declaring his intentions. He said they were soulmates. Like... Ah! Okay, well, we all know this isn't going to end well because no, it's, it's bloody babbles. Not, not, not lovely babbles. Yeah. I don't know. Penny noticed the ring on Aaron's finger a few days later at a church function and ordered her to give it back. Charlie was playing basketball outside the fellowship hall that afternoon and Terry pulled him inside. That This is totally inappropriate, he told the boy. He shrugged. You're promising yourself to my daughter. Do you realize she's 16 years old? Terry had already begun to grow uneasy with how fast the relationship seemed to be moving. He didn't care for Charlie, and he was not happy about how much time the high school senior was spending with his daughter. He had never gotten over Charlie's nonchalant attitude when they first met. Terry had come home from work, and Charlie, his legs slung over the side of Terry's armchair, had not bothered to stand up or shake his hand. I don't like that boy, Terry would tell Penny. (laughs) If he can't show me any respect, how does he treat our daughter? Believe me, he's treating her real just fine. Um, Any hooser, what's up? From then on... The Cathy's limited Aaron's time with Charlie to once a week in their home under their watch. Ew. Um, <laughs> I say you. I mean, I would understand her frustration because, I mean, my parents weren't super strict with me, but I know parents that were. So she and was that, like, but also, that's a catch-22 because the strict you are as a parent. The but, more your kid's going to rebel mm-hmm, because we're going to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. She was furious with her parents, and she ended up telling her aunt that she was going to run away to be with Charlie when she turned 17. More and more, she and her mother were at odds, and Aaron once called Charlie in tears to report that Penny had slapped her in the heat of an argument. Oh, man. So in early February, Penny overheard Aaron giggling one night past her phone curfew, because Aaron had sneaked her cell phone into her room to call Charlie. Ah, so... See, cell phones are becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. Penny informed her daughter that she was grounded. Her car keys and phone were taken away, and for weeks her parents drove her to and from school. Worst of all, as far as Aaron was concerned, her weekly visit, his weekly visits to the house were suspended. So, by car, by phone, by Charlie. Killing her parents, Aaron told Charlie, was their best option. Because, you know, just love. (laughs) That's normal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, She talked about the idea relentlessly. In school, she brought up the subject once or twice a day during a lunch break in mid-February. A junior overheard her tell... Ah, Charlie. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. Telling Charlie that killing her parents was the only way they could be together. Charlie, who turned 18 that month, wanted to be with Aaron, and he promised to do whatever it took to make her happy. His father used to joke that he had lost puppy dog syndrome. I I can adhere to that. He tried to help whoever was down on their luck. Aaron was someone he wanted to rescue. The damsel in distress. Mm -hmm. Charlie told several friends that he intended to kill her parents. Still sometimes he seemed um, 
ambivalent about their plan. If you don't know what that means, hesitant, a little worried. He only wanted to run away with Aaron, he told a buddy. As, as late as two days before the murders, he gloomily admitted to the same friend that he wished he could just get her pregnant so the Caffees would have no choice but to accept him. She was insistent, though. Jeez, oh, Pete's my freaking family group chat. Um, she was too young to have a baby, she said, and as long as her parents were alive, she and Charlie would have to be apart. She had him around her finger, pretty much, a girl who was a senior at the time. She could get him to do whatever she wanted. She asked for something, and she got it. Woo! Had miracle faith, this fucking weird-ass church that I'm not vibing with. God told me to kill you. People sense that something was wrong in the cafe home. <laughs> you don't say. Something is not right with this picture. I don't know where that came from. Penny was withdrawn for most of February, and she declined to go on a women's church retreat, saying that she needed to spend some time with her family. Oh my god, I can't stop yawning. I'm about to edit that all out. I'm so sorry. Maybe I won't. I don't know. It's just yawn, but it's ignoring. Ignoring. Uh-huh. <laughs> At church functions, Aaron was aloof and distracted during a Valentine's Day dinner, the day of love, that was hosted by her Ruth, Ruth group. Yep. yep. Youth group. She stood by too preoccupied, preoccupied to even fill water glasses. The pastor's wife, Rebecca, was deeply troubled by her demeanor um, But later that month when she sang at her grandfather's funeral. Terry's father had died of a heart attack on February 21st. Oh, that's weird. We had that in a case the other day. Because it's Ethan's birthday. Mm -hmm. And though none of the Caffies had been close to him, they performed Amazing Grace in his honor. Terry and Bubba played harmonica with um, Penny on the piano, but Aaron, whose jubilant singing often brought parishioners parishioners to their feet turned in a listless half-hearted performance her voice faltered and her cousin who did not have a natural ta her natural talent outshone her rebecca sensed that something was spiritually wrong with the girl hmm. aaron's anointing had lifted she couldn't sing a lick on february 27th how weird yeah both boys birthdays <laughs> three days before the murders the Cathy's demanded that aaron break up with charlie e earlier Yep. Earlier that day. Goodbye. Penny stopped by the local library at her sister's suggestion and got online to look at Charlie's MySpace profile, which had included comments about having sex and getting drunk. When Erin came home that afternoon, her parent, her purr, her father and mother were waiting for her in the living room. It's over, Terry told her. You're breaking up with him today. I mean, it's over now. To their surprise, she did not protest. Hmm. Mm. That seems eerie. She wanted to break things off with Charlie for a while, she tears, tearfully confessed, but not had not been sure how. Before the family left for Bible study, she promised she would end things with Charlie. <sighs> wow. So, this brings us to March 1st, 2008. Charles Dickerson. We're <laughs> 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 12-year-old boys in our heads, it's fine. Was the only officer on duty when the call came into the Raines County Sheriff's Office just after 4.30 in the morning that there had been a shooting at the Caffey residence. They lived in a modest cabin set deep in the woods along a one-lane gravel road outside of Alba, a rural community of only 492 people, halfway between Sulphur Springs and Tyler, Texas. Most folks around... Folks? Most folks around Alba and Emory... The nearby county seat knew the family. Penny played piano at the church, and her husband Terry was a home health aide and lay, and lay preacher. 
Their daughter, Erin, worked as a car hop at the Sonic. They had two sons, Matthew and Bubba, who was in seventh grade, and Tyler was a fourth grader. The Kathy children had been homeschooled for three years, were shy and well-mannered, though 16-year-old Erin was the least reserved. A slight, pretty blonde, she was known for her beautiful singing... <laughs> beautiful singing voice. I don't know what's wrong with me. Which she showcased in a soaring gospel solos at the Miracle Faith on Sundays. Uh, Dickerson... <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Dickerson headed east along US 69. <laughs> turned down the road that led through the woods to the Kathy's house following the crooked path as it rambled beneath pine canopies and over dry creeks past a neighbor's hand-lettered sign that read, Acknowledge thine inquity, Jeremiah 313. Daybreak was still a few hours off in the road behind the glare of his headlights was pitch black. Dickerson straightened to I can't do it. Strange to see a mailbox or a landmark that might orient him with his surroundings, but the houses were few and far between. At a bend where the trees thinned out, he spotted a murky orange glow in the distance. As he drove near, he could see that the house was on fire. That's oh. ironic, considering our last two last two parter yeah, was all about fire. He realized he that was that he was looking at the Kathy house. The cabin appeared to have been burning for some time. The structure was engulfed in flames. The metal roof had began to buckle under its own weight. He radioed his dispatcher. Oh my! Goodbye. To mo um. Oh my gosh! He radioed his dispatcher to mobilize the county's volunteer fire departments and sped down the road to Tommy Gaston's house, where the nine where the nine one one call had originated. Gaston was a genial man with a head of white hair. Was the closest neighbor, and he looked relieved to see the sheriff's deputy at the door. I mean, shit, I would be too. Just beyond him, sprawled across the living room floor, was Terry Caffey. He had been shot five times, once in the head, twice near his right shoulder, and two more times in the back. His face and upper body were caked with blood. Although it was a cold night, the 41-year-old was wearing a t-shirt, pajama bottoms, no shoes, and a single wet sock. He had stumbled and crawled 500 yards from his home where he had been left for dead to to Gaston's or Gaston. Gaston? 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 <laughs> no one thinks like Gaston. I'm fine. A journey that had taken him nearly an hour all told. Along the way he had fallen into a creek where he had almost drowned but he kept moving staggering toward Gaston's house as the fire behind him grew more and more intense. There was so much blood that Dickerson could not tell where he had been shot. They're all gone, he told the sher sheriff's deputy, his voice breaking. Charlie Wilkinson shot my family. The ambulance was about to pull away from Tommy Gaston's house when the sheriff's investigator, Richard Alman, who hurried to the scene, climbed inside. I don't think I'm going to make it, Caffey sputtered, oh, straining to catch his breath. Alman, oh my God. Alman crouched beside the gurney and asked him a few hurried questions. Charlie Wilkerson was his daughter's boyfriend, Caffey told the detective, and he and his wife had recently demanded that Aaron stop seeing him. Charlie had broken into the house and shot Caffey and his family as they slept. Allman clambered out of the ambulance and showed that he had learned what he had learned with the chief deputy, Kurt Fisher, in rural... <laughs> yep. I fucking hate that word. Communities as small as Alba and Emery, there are no strangers, and Fisher shook his head when he heard Charlie's name. His boys were friends with the clean-cut high school senior and had fished and gone four-wheeling with him many times before. 
In fact, Fisher told the detective he had spotted Charlie's car parked outside Matthew Wade's trailer while driving to the crime scene. Wade was a few years older than Charlie, and Charlie and his buddies sometimes drink at his place and stayed the night. All the lights were out. Okay, all the lights were no. Yeah, we're out in the rundown blue single wide when Fisher and Sheriff's Deputy Ed Emig pulled up outside. I don't know why I paused like that. I think it was because I was thinking of his last name and making sure I'm saying it right. A teenager whom Fisher did not recognize groggily came to the door. He was unsure if Charlie had spent the night or not, but he agreed to let the officers in. Fisher walked from room to room, stepping over piles of dirty clothes and empty beer cans as he went, startling Wade and his girlfriend from their sleep. Fisher told them he needed to talk to Charlie Wilkinson. As Fisher con um, continued down the hall, he saw the, that a blanket covered the d empty doorframe of one bedroom. Pulling the blanket back, uh, he shone his flashlight inside. He could see Charlie laying on a mattress awake, wearing only blue jeans. Blue jeans? Mm -hmm. It's fine. A semi-automatic handgun lay on the floor beside him. Charlie, it's Kurt, Fisher said. Let me see your hands. What's going on, Charlie said. He hesitated, and Fisher thought he might reach for the gun. Let me see your hands, repeated the chief deputy. He led Charlie outside in handcuffs and sat him on the porch, read him his Miranda rights, and told him he was being taken in for questioning. The Caffey family had been attacked and were killed that killed earlier that morning. Fisher informed him. Charlie hung his head and was quiet. Were you involved in this? Charlie or Fisher asked. No, sir, Charlie said, shaking his head. I got drunk last night and passed out. But yet you were wide awake when the police got there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> deputy Amig... Emig? E-M-I-G. Emig. Went inside to get Charlie a shirt and his boots. He carried them out to the porch. He noticed they were splattered with blood. Because mm. that's not suspicious. They put him in the back of the squad car and he stared out the window in silence as they drove through the woods towards Emery in the pre-dawn gloom. At daybreak, the fire was smoldering. Volunteers, firefighters had struggled for several hours to put out the flames. But the house had burned down to its foundation. Later that day, when the bodies of the two Caffey boys were pulled from the rubble, mm. one firefighter, overcome with emotion, fell to his knees. Charlie was brought to the county jail. Fisher obtained a search warrant from the Justice of the Peace and returned to the trailer to collect any evidence that might tie Charlie to the crime scene. In the living room, he found a camouflage-colored purse with the driver's license inside it belonging to Aaron Caffey. He began searching the back bedroom where Charlie had been found. There was no overhead light, so he pulled the blanket off one of the windows to illuminate his view. Uh, spent shell casings uh, lay scattered across the carpet. Next to the mattress set a box of ammunition. Fisher picked up a black and white western shirt and a used condom slipped onto the floor. Near the closet, he lifted up a blanket that was piled on the floor and noticed a shock of blonde hair. For an instant, he thought he found a doll. He pushed the hair aside to get a better look and watched dumbfounded as two eyes opened. A girl was sitting with her back to the wall in a fetal position. He drew his gun and commanded her to show her hands, but she just stared at him. What's your name, he asked. Aaron, she stam stammered. Fisher recognized her from her driver's license photo. He brought her into the living room where Af Matthew Wade and his girlfriend sat on the couch he had already informed the couple that the Caffey family was dead. Wade stared at the girl in disbelief and confirmed that she was Aaron Caffey. How did you get here, is what Fisher asked. She stood wide-eyed in her pajamas, bewildered as she surveyed the room. I don't know, she mumbled. Where am I? You're Aaron Caffey, Deputy um, Fisher asked the girl again. She nodded and looked as if she might throw up. In her flower print pajamas, with her blonde hair pulled back into a ponytail, she seemed sweet and guileless. 
She glanced apprehensively toward the tra- around the trailer. She was disoriented, and Fisher thought she appeared to be under the influence of some kind of drug. Can you tell me what happened, Fisher asked. Fire, she said, her voice trailing off. Ooh. So that's where we're going to leave you for Ooh. part one. <laughs> so wow. Fire. Is she just a really good actress? Uh, yeah. <laughs> she is, I think, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. So, that's just... Dude, the- and how creepy, like, you thought it was a doll, and it right. was, like, a person. Like, but I don't know why. It doesn't matter. But, uh, anyway. All right. So, yeah. fucking tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you guys have to wait a whole week for part two, but believe me, part two is going to be, it might be a little bit heftier, longer, I don't know. But whatever. Things are going to happen. Regardless, there is a part two. There is. I would not leave you guys on a cliffhanger like that. Or would she? But I am. Hell! But we are going to finish it up. Don't worry. Don't trip. Don't trip. It's fine. It's cool. It's cool. So, you guys know where to find us. Fantasy and World Music by the Factors does our sound on YouTube. Go show them some love. Contact us. Um, Rate and reviews are always great. You can do it on Good Pods. You could Good Pods. You can rate us on Spotify. You can leave us comments on um, Apple Podcast, uh, Podchaser.com slash Bloody Babbles Podcast. Um, if you just want to tell us that we're great in a message in a case you want us to cover, do that too. If you yes. want to tell us that um, there's too many weird noises in the background, tell us that too in a nice way because we did have someone do that and we really appreciate really positive appreciated the niceties. Yes. Positive <laughs> criticism. Yes. Hopefully these last few episodes have been a little bit easier to listen to, friend. So. Because we've got rid of the children. We didn't get rid of. We just, we happen to have grandparents around. (laughs) Yes. Who are hanging out with a sweet little baby. So sorry, no baby noises, Dawn. Yep. This time around. But until next time. Babylon. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Zach. It's Josh. Zach. Do you enjoy video games, drinking, and attempting to solve the world's problems through ridiculous schemes? Uh, yeah. Do you think others would enjoy that? I mean, I really hope so. So do I. So I think you all should come spend some time with us, the Midwest Meltdown. This show was created by these two fine gentlemen here, myself and Zach, when we spent the last 14 years telling each other funny stories, talking about video games, and literally anything else that comes to mind. We wanted to turn our passion for gaming into something that we could share with everyone. So again, follow us, The Midwest Meltdown, anywhere you can find your podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean, Google Pods. Check us out. We'd be happy to have you.